a listener production. Okay, are you recording? Are you recording? Howdy team, a massive welcome from me to you to episode seven, part A of the Howie Games Artist Series, featuring a giant of the Australian entertainment caper, Andy Lee. Which Australian has the highest number of followers on Twitter? Hamish. Hamish and Andy. Asking the big questions that define the nation. Do you guys like working from home? Yeah, that's because half of them aren't wearing pants. That was Andy hosting his new show on Channel 9, The 100, one of many, many hit TV shows he's rolled out, typically alongside his great mate, Hamish Blake, the duo, a huge force in Australian radio. You know, people will say to us, you know, they'll, they'll say, you know, different stories, what the show means to them, and then I'll often say a version of the sentence like, oh, you know, but I'm sure you don't care because it's just, like, one person's opinion. But the point is, that's all we care about. Mm. Like, that's all we've ever cared about. So if you're one of those people or it, it has touched you, it has had an impact... That is all we care about. So thank you guys to the people here, to the people around Australia listening. That's the only reason. Otherwise, we just sit in a room by ourselves with no microphones. <laughs> um, you're the reason we have the microphones in there because we get to do this and you, you let us have, you've given us our total fantasy. Mm. So thank you so much. Thanks, guys. Cheers. Lillian Thompson, Boone and Marsh, Hamish and Andy. It just works. You know it does. Everybody loves these two blokes. Typically, at this stage of the intro, I would promote something that the guest is involved with. So I would say, check out the Hamish Nandy podcast on Listener. But do I really need to? You've already all heard of it. All of you listening now, you already know about the show. That's how big these lads are. Andy, he's perfect for the Artist Series. He can talk about what it takes to succeed in radio, podcasting, on the telly, and how the Hamish and Andy juggernaut started. But just as cool... Andy is sport obsessed and his profile, his warmth and the fact that he is a ripping, ripping fella has opened the door for Andy to experience all sorts of wonderful moments with high profile athletes and teams. Yeah. Elliot comes in and bowls and this is again teed off in the air but there's a fieldsman underneath it. He's a big man anyway, he reached up tall and just plucked it out of the night sky. Check out that catch on YouTube by Andy in a charity game. It is an absolute cracker. Enjoy the story of a bloke who goes to work with one thing on his mind. To have fun. Andy Thomas Lee. Well, look at this man. Welcome to the Howie Games, a man of many talents in the sporting world, in the artistic world. It is a treat to have him on the Howie Games as the number one podcaster in Australia. His name is Andy Lee, joins us on the Artist Series. Thank you for coming in. It is lovely to see you, mate. Congrats on the show yourself. Well, that's kind of you to say, but I've done a bit of research and and I rarely do statistics, but I feel that the Howie Games is going well. Mm. We've been doing it for five years. And, you know, we walk around town, Darcy and I, and we think, you know, we've got a pretty good show, the number one sports podcast in Australia. You do? Well, then I had a look at a few numbers. <laughs> and and when I analyse the numbers, I'm now a little bit nervous because I'm sitting in what is the Hamish and Andy studio, mm-hmm. which is the biggest podcast in the country. And I was thinking about this in the way, I feel a bit like Scott Morrison, Prime Minister of the country, <laughs> I'm flying, Howie Games, I'm in charge, but it's like I've got to the G12. Yeah. And then beside me is Angela Merkel and <laughs> Boris Johnson. 
<laughs> and Vladimir Amy. Putin's having a coffee and Joe Biden's there and, and I've suddenly realised that I'm a real little fish <laughs> when I'm compared to the juggernaut <laughs> that is Hamish and Andy. So ha- Hamish and Boris Johnson. Right, right oh. who are you? <laughs> I think you've got a bit of Angela Merkel about you. Yeah, be Merkel. <laughs> <laughs> but, but what I... I'd like oh. to say Justin Trudeau or something like that, someone a bit more handsome. Well, he, he's had a few issues <laughs> himself lately, yeah, Justin. Maybe not. But statistically, and we're going to get to sport, but just so people are aware, there's a mm. podcast ranker that comes out. Yep. And I've been claiming for five years that uh, the Howie Games is the number one sports podcast in the country, and it eventually got there, but we lied for four years. Yeah. <laughs> the Hamish and Andy juggernaut, last month mm. in Australia, 1.9 million people. Yeah, most listened. of them are bots. Well, this is going to be my question for you. 1.9 million people downloaded it, but 900, nearly a million individual people listened to your show last month. So if, if people are walking down the street listening to this podcast, look at 25 people, the population of the country. One in 25 mm. is listening to your bloody podcast. It's, that is extraordinary. I, it's extraordinary, my friend. Because the Hamish and Andy podcast starts in three, two... Sorry, still buffering. One. Ahoy to you, Ham. Ahoy, mate. I, st- I still get the excitement with the with the countdown, the three, two, one. And I know we get to hear it every week, and I know we invented the countdown, <laughs> so I should and be I, used I to get it. A bit, I get a bit of, here we go. Yes. I go, what do I have on the show today? And then they go, hang on a sec, you're one of them. Yes. <laughs> it's up to you. I'm as shocked as the next person. Right. But uh, Hamish and I also have a, I'm not sure if you've got this on your podcast, but we have a thing on ours where if anyone sees us in the flesh, we'll give them a dollar. Wow. And uh, That's an expensive so operation. It, it, and it's turned into, it started out as a joke a few years ago. Uh, we've kept it up, but it's an expensive operation. Particularly if I go to the football, I uh, always go and get myself 30 to 40 bucks of dollar coins. <laughs> so the walk to the G, jingling and jangling away <laughs> versus I'm much lighter on the way home, but it's nice. You know, there'll be a point where people stop asking us for dollars and we'll know that uh, the show's finished, but until then we'll be right. Do you, I know you're in the midst of what you do and we're going to explore how you've got to where you, you, you have got to, but do you uh, and your mate ever sit down and look at what you have achieved as two mates in the media in Australia? Because it is a juggernaut. Do you ever sit back and rest on your laurels and think, gee, this is not where we expected to get to? Because you should. You should. Not not really. I mean, the ABC uh, rang one day and said, oh, we'd love you to come on and and you and Hamish to come on and, and do a reflective piece about your career. And I said, Bugger off, I'm not finished. <laughs> like, what are you talking so, yeah, this, about? Uh, this is your life. It yeah, comes exactly. a bit early. That's reserved for, you know, Mike Munro or someone <laughs> that's uh, so. Um, no, not really. I mean, the, the key for Hayman and I have just been, is just be having fun. Um, and, and it's just been fun. So you don't really feel, and there's no goals. Like we don't, there's no goal to be the best ratings or, or the, the goal is just to have fun. So there's never a point where you sit back and go, oh, we made it because you're just, you're just on the treadmill and having, having a ball. So um, I found with, you know, talking to my mates, sports people, et cetera, you know, they're, they're striving for whether it's personal um, uh, achievements or a team achievement, you know, yeah, they won that grand final. They, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, the boomers got that medal in the Olympics. So you can go, great, it's all worth it, it's all paid off. And now industry... It's not. It's not really like that. Well, some people follow the ratings a lot closer than we do, but um, no, it's just been about having fun every day. If I was at 
1.9 a month, I'd be following the ratings <laughs> and I would be promoting them. This is a, a sports show that we that we delve into your artistic career as well, but you've come in here and you've got your Navy Blues Carlton yeah. cap on. Why the Blues? Was it a family member? Yeah, family member. So my dad's cousin, Kevin Hall, played for Carlton. Um, big Kev. Big Kev. It's going very high. Down to Kevin Hall. And Hall has taken a nice chest mark. One and a half back flank. He's on the member's side of the ground. He, I think they won. He won a premiership. No, I don't think he won two. Yeah, he won a premiership for Carlton, um, and uh, you know, well known down there. So that's what got Dad uh, barracking for the Blues. Um, he used to kick the footy with Kevin, and um, <laughs> and then uh, obviously wasn't good enough, <laughs> and then can live through Kev. So we're all mad Blues supporters, and and have been ever since. Did you used to go with your dad to Princess Park? All the time. Did you? So yeah. what, what, what was your memories as a young Andy rolling mm. down to Prince's Park? You, were you having a pie and who were you cheering for? And, Absolutely. Because Carlton were good then. This is a long time ago. It's, it's a, a gr- long time ago. It is a long time ago. <laughs> Look, you know, your memories through the late 80s, it just, they're a bit hazy for me. I would have been eight or nine years old, but the dominator, Wayne Johnson. Uh, and then, But then it got into this amazing era where it was, you know, um, uh, Tommy Alvin yeah. and Mill Hannah and, and Sexton and Solvani and Steve Kernan. Brattles. And Brattles. And, you know, we got to live with them for a while. When Kuda Fides came along, Ange Christo, uh, you know, Glenn Manton was in there. And there was a bunch of players that um, I used to love, Troy Bond. People don't even remember him. I'm not sure <laughs> I even know who Troy Bond is. <laughs> no. But... Um, yeah, so I got to live through a really exciting time for Carlton. They uh, obviously ninety three lost lost the flag, ninety five won one, and um, and then ninety nine we got absolutely belted by North Melbourne, yeah. and I was managed to get to the 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 uh, the, the ninety nine grand final, which is awesome. As the time ticks down and the Kangas have won a fourth premiership, well done, Dennis Pagan. You deserve everything you've got today, and so does your club. And walking out after a defeat, can you still taste that sour taste in your mouth? Stumbled out because we stopped watching it at half time and (laughs) (laughs) went to the bar. (laughs) Always a good way to get through it, Granny. Did you play footy growing up? No, never allowed. So my dad had a bad injury um, playing. So mum banned all of us from playing playing footy and I've ended up playing hockey, field hockey, still play. Um, And I mean, kind of, my body would have been better built for footy bending over all the short guys are better at hockey yeah. um but i loved the fact that i went down that path really good friends still in hockey and also an opportunity to travel overseas and play hockey which uh obviously you can't get with that for footy where have you played hockey overseas well we just had a touring team our, our school team was was, was really strong so we did all of, of great britain um yeah playing playing hockey and uh and a few other exhibition matches from time to time so are you a man with because the amount of requests i get on this show i need to make it happen for jamie dwyer yeah, to be on this show the goat of yeah. hockey yeah incredible yeah so i've had some spent some time with jamie um yeah, it's funny how you know these these smaller sports. Only when the, the Olympics comes around yes. that um, that people pay, start paying attention. But it's this, a great sport to watch, though. Yeah, and they've made it better. You know, people think AFL have a lot of rule changes. Hockey, is <laughs> it? Oh my gosh, <laughs> there is. You know, I remember I was coaching hockey in about nineteen. I'm going to call it maybe ninety nine, um, where they changed the offside rule. They took it out. And a lot of the other coaches hadn't really read the rules from the year before because they weren't as. Um, so you can just p- uh, position a bloke so you in can the D. Put one right next to the goal if you want. We, I used to I used to send a kid down there just to hide behind the goalie. <laughs> <A before>. Loophole. <laughs> yeah. And and all these other coaches are telling their their backs to push up, push up to create this offside. And the balls is going through to a one on one with the keeper. Sometimes two on one with the keeper. And 
the, the coach would be going, what the F is going on? They're offside. They're also yelling at the umpire. And I normally wait till two or three goals up to wander down to him and say, <laughs> Mate, the rules have changed. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, I mean, even things like, you know, we used to have what we called a long corner, which is a corner in the side of a, a like a soccer, like a, pen, a corner kick. But now they take that from 25 yards up straight up. Um, you can play on now if you get a free hit. You used to stop and, you know, but now you grab the ball, you keep running. So anything to make the game faster. And these guys run so far. Yeah. They're doing, you know, 14, 15K in a game. And the game's 70, 70 minutes. Um, and you think that the uh, the AFL is, uh, players are doing the same same amount of time in double, so the same amount of distance in double the time. Absolutely. Obviously, I talk to the AFL footballs about it and they say, yeah, but, um, a lot of their energy goes into tackling people and having people on top of them, punching them, et cetera, which we don't have to deal with in hockey. But it's, uh, so it's a different type of fitness, but they're, they're pretty quick. And pretty it's a, it's a, as I say, it's a great sport to watch, especially now they obviously play on the synthetic all the time and it goes so quickly. Your, your interactions with the Blues over the years, yep. as a kid growing up, due to the job you've done and done it so well, you have access to the football club. Amazing. What's it like? I mean, that's, Hamish and I always talk about this, you know, obviously we've been super fortunate and, uh, and you know, there's money that comes with that kind of thing. But to me, access to sport is by far the greatest reward I've got for doing the job. Is I it? Have. That is a great answer. It is just by far and above. It, the opportunity to be inside the Australian cricket team, um, on the bench for Melbourne Stars, uh, in the coaches' box for the Carlton Football Club, um, invited to you know line meetings, um, all that kind of stuff. It's just a dream, a dream for me. And who's um, been coaching when you've been in the box? I've been in there for Bolton. I've been in there for David Teague. Um, there's obviously a bunch that are keep rolling, <laughs> rolling through. Say, there's bossy. <laughs> there's bossy. <laughs> So, um, what's it like in the box? Do you just sit in the corner quietly, or do yeah, you start to throw to, in and gotta, say, "Listen, I think you need to move Crips into the middle again." <laughs> you got you to be pretty bloody quiet <laughs> right. when you're in there. Yeah, um, you know, it is fascinating. I, I love, you know, it's a really intense environment. That's mm. what I love about sport. Um, everything is dialed up to eleven. Um, even talking to different players, most most recently this year, got to know Marcus Bondempelli a fair bit, and. Just asking him how to give advice to a player in that 20 seconds you have after something's gone wrong, goal against, Mm. what kind of language to use, and the best leaders out there know how to get a point across in 10 seconds, giving the other kid 10 seconds to actually compute it before they all start again. And that's what's great about sports. Split-second decisions can be the difference between winning and losing. That's what I love about sport in general. Any I watch any sport. Um, And that's the same with – Within the box, you know, they're, they're constantly chatting and trying to review what's going on. Um, under Brendan Bolton, and, you know, I'm not going to give away anything that is, is uh, confidential, but what I found really fascinating is they had kind of a, a, a someone capturing footage for, for every almost every line. So if, if one coach yelled out, they'd just yell out, code it. So something would happen, they'd yell out, code it, and there was someone clipping up footage. And then as soon as there was stoppage, sending it from their screen to whatever line coach called it, and they could quickly watch back. Wow. What, so, you know, you're hearing, code it, code it, code it. Like, particularly with Carl, we're not going very well. <laughs> but it was fascinating <laughs> to see that level of technology being brought into a coach's box. Um, under Teague, there was probably less of that. You know, it was, uh, they were just watching the flow of the game and more, more conversation. They, they'd, they were always talking, but they were just conversing between mm. the five coaches and – and and trying to get a dialogue, a constant dialogue about what they should be doing, et cetera, it was it was it was really it was really great to watch. 
the Australian cricket team. Did mm. you play cricket growing up? I did. Yeah, okay. yeah. So who did you first play cricket for? Let's played for Bourne, the Bourne yeah. Cricket Club. Still right. play, played sub-districts uh, down there as well in, until Hamish and I started. Um, we, we first got a Saturday morning show, so that um, that next... So you played cricket. subbies for Bourne? Yeah. I played um, subbies for Box Hill. Did you? I wonder if we ever <laughs> met each other on a cricket field. <laughs> we may well have. Well, there you go. Yeah. Did you um, bat or bowl? Bowl. Yeah. Bowl. Tempted, what do you got? Tempted opening bowler. But, right. Sharp. Um, yeah. Oh, not quick enough. Well, no. compare yourself to a modern uh, great. Am I not great? Mm. I, I probably bowl. Uh, I was probably like um, Andrew McDonald, but I couldn't bat or bowl as well. <laughs> okay, so you're a, a military medium. Did you to move it away or could bring it swing, back off could, the deck? Could swing the ball, which was which was handy. But um, best day on a cricket field, uh, personally. Personally, don't know. Never got a hat trick. Um, you know, took a few fifers. Right, that's uh, good. Yeah, um, but um, yeah, my brother was at the other end. Who was faster than me, but far less accurate, and and we could we never put a game together where we both bowled well. It was right. always one of us getting absolutely carted, and the other one going okay. Um, but yeah, so I loved it. What people um, probably don't know about the Big Bash League was in its first year, there were they, celebrities were going to play. Oh, Andrew Johns played, didn't he? Well, he played the year before Big Bash. Right. Yeah, that's when they were testing this out. So it was before it became Big Bash. He played in the T20. He was he was uh, in for New South Wales. For New South Wales. I was a registered player for Big Bash year one. For the Melbourne Stars? For the Melbourne Stars. <laughs> so who were, your, who were your teammates? Warney. <laughs> <laughs> Quiney, he would have yeah, been yeah. there. He was there forever. We had an amazing team. You know, George Bailey was in that team. Um, Bobby Quiney, uh, uh, Warney, Cam White, uh, Matty Wade. You think of the leaders in that team. And, and me. Um, uh, I think Clint McKay, um, Johnny Hastings, I think, was there that time. Um, so what happened was... <laughs> That's outstanding, they, they, they never thought I'd play. They thought they might be subfield. It was a bit of a shits and giggles thing. They realised that very, very quickly, only a couple of games in, how good the competition was going to be. And Greg Shippard, who's, you know, arguably the best... Pretty serious character. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> best coach yeah, in the country. He's had so much success. Yeah. Um, he he kind of was wondering what the hell I was doing there. Uh, Warney was the one that got me in. Uh, and then <laughs> se- seven years later... I was still sitting there on the bench and, and doing So, you know, I, I trained with them um, uh, in that first summer. With Hodgie, he wants to hit me always on the offside. Why do the crease in a Yorker? So you're training as in you'd wheel out your yeah, just, Andrew McDonald's? Yeah, I'd wheel out the Andrew McDonald's. Now, <laughs> like... <laughs> <laughs> Which was so much fun. And look, I was, oh, I was handy enough to bowl to the tail enders when okay. everyone can't be bothered. Yep. You know, when Malinga wants to bowl eight eight deliveries and then pitch. Did he bowl at his sh- the shoes on the pitch like everybody said, that he, he sort of bowled at Malinga, shoes on the pitch? Malinga was hilarious at training. Right. So, you know, obviously an absolute gun. He'd come out and he'd bowl 12 ball, 10 to 12 balls tops for training. <laughs> that was it. That was it. Short burst, man. And then go straight to the massage (laughs) table. And this is at his height. So this is not a guy being lazy. At the time, he was a golden ticket for the Melbourne Stars. Well, he got six for nine. Yeah, he got six for nine, three for seven. Brilliant, Yorker. Absolutely brilliant. Malinga was six. Yeah, he was just... Basically, you had an allotted four overs, which you knew was going for about two and over. (laughs) Right. Um, so he'd come out, he'd, he'd bowl, uh, <laughs> we'd sling, um, these like two slower ball Yorkers, two fast Yorkers, two, you know, two bouncers, 
two slower ball bounces and then kind of see where those were, practice the other two maybe, or pick one or two and do a three or four more of those and then that was it. <laughs> Off the massage table. That, yeah. And so hey, no one wanted to face him either. No one, right? And um, I remember Jimmy, Jimmy Faulkner was in the team as well back when he was, you know, the closer for Australia. Yes. Yeah. Jimmy Faulkner was batting and Malinga walked out for his 12 balls and, uh, and, and, and he was coming around to the net that Jimmy was in and Jimmy just stopped and said, nah, piss off, mate, piss off. <laughs> Next net, don't want you. Like, want yeah, he goes. Don't have to face you. I don't have to face you in the comp. So you know, you're the only one. That piss off. <laughs> and one day I padded up and I wanted to face Malinga. I was like, oh, I just want to this one opportunity to face Malinga. And so I've gone down and 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 Faulkner's going, mate, don't don't do it. Don't just. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't have faith in you. So I went down and I was sitting there and I said to him, um, to Lass, I said, hey, Lass, I'll tell you what. Can I just have a sighter? Like to send one down, I'll step back and, you know, I took a you know, half step back and I was put it on off stump and I was have a sighter. Didn't see it. Didn't, didn't follow the facing one. Just, that was it. That was it. It rocketed, but also it's hidden for so long. There's no way of predicting, predicting where it was going to come from. So bang, uh, I, I said, oh, look, I'll leave this one. I, I won't do it. And, <laughs> Did you face the king or not? Yeah, face the king a fair, fair few times. Because um, that, that to me always – Appeals because you face Malinga, you can get hurt. Yep. You face Warney, yep. you can actually see the skill of the man that's there. Absolutely. But people don't realise how fast Warney yes. bowls. Like, and it's, it makes this sound in the air when the ball's coming down. It goes... Everybody says this. And you sit there and go, it's so daunting, you know, and it gets closer. <laughs> you kind of start... You know... <laughs> you know? And so, you know, you don't know where it's coming, you, know, you don't know what it's going to do. And um, I think he was pretty kind to me at times. He wants, Warnie's, what people don't really understand about Warnie, he really wants people to succeed. Yes. You know, and he's such He's got a, that American attitude where yeah. they promote success, not yep. the Australian attitude where, yep. oh, that bloke's getting ahead of himself. Yeah, yeah. And so when you face him, he wants you to hit him. Like he does, he like he really like he wants. So you know, he's he was lolling things up to me, and I'm you know whacking him around. Here we go. All right, come right, on, Woody. Twinkle toes, dance it, dance, dance, dance. Oh, shot. oh nice it's a shot. Let's have a look at that. What about the elaborate Good footwork? Dance. Good dance. It was a real right. twinkle toe move. Looks like he just one. I can tell he's done step yeah. at school. Look at that. That yeah. was beautiful. And he's like, oh, great, Andy. Like he's not not even doing a nudge, nudge, wing, wing to any other players. Oh, that's great, Andy. You got me there. You got like yeah. that. That's good. And I'm going, that's that's lovely. And I said, no, come on, give give me one. And and then, yeah, didn't see it. Wrong and straight into me. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it's pretty special time. Um, you know, Hodgie was in there as well for a while. Glenn Maxwell then came to the Stars. Um, these are all people that I hugely admire for what they do for my love for cricket. Yeah. And then to be in every meeting, Stephen Fleming then came across from New Zealand to coach the team and him and I have remained mates. So, yeah, and then it, it, from there it um, – you know, obviously that was in the Stars camp, but I had a good friendship with Buff Lehman before and we bummed into each other before he became an Australian cricket coach and then he invited me into there as well, which was really kind of him. Back to Andy in a moment. Next up on the Artist Series. This is an interesting one. A man who has been responsible for opening the world to literally millions of travellers, Tony Wheeler. Alongside his wife, Maureen, Tony founded Lonely Planet Travel Guides, a series of books I've been using since I first hit the road. Absolutely love them. This episode, it's wild and wacky. It's full of all sorts of crazy travel stories, incredible sporting events, and how to start a huge business from literally nothing. 
here we are in Sydney. How much money have we got left? And I put <laughs> put my hand in my pocket and I, we had 27 cents. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. I had a camera. I went up to the cross. We walked up to the cross and um, <laughs> we got, um, me, before we got to the cross, we we. we Went to a loan shop and got $25 for my camera. Um, but we, the, the Sydney Morning Herald in those days was five cents. And um, a, f- a phone call was also five cents. <laughs> Here's inflation for you. <laughs> and um, we got the Sydney Morning Herald and we found a room for $16 a week. And we made a five cent phone call and said, we'll come along and put a 16 first week's rent down. <laughs> And then got 25 bucks for my camera, so we still had $9. <laughs> but no camera. No camera. I got it back a week later because we, within a week we both had jobs. And um, But everybody you met, they said, oh, where did you go? Oh, how did you do that? Oh, what did that cost? Oh, you know, I didn't know you could cross India, cross Afghanistan. You know, and we started writing notes for people. And after a while we thought, we can make a book out of this. Um, and we did, and that was the first Lonely Planet guidebook. And what was it called? It was called Across Asia on the Cheap. That's Tony Wheeler, founder of Lonely Planet, coming up next Tuesday on the Artist Series. Let's get back to Andy. So going into the Australian dressing room, I had this pleasure at Fox. I've had it a few times now, but two years ago, in commentary, they said, right, the test match is going to finish. Um Australian media manager wants to know if you want to go into the rooms. And I was like, yeah, I grew up playing sub-district cricket, so I'm not deserving of the opportunity to go into the Australian rooms the way I felt. And I spoke to Tim about it on the ground, Tim Payne. He said, mate, it's okay. It'll be, he actually said, it'll be great TV. I said, I know it'll be great TV, but I I won't feel comfortable. He said, no, I'll just take you in and we'll sort of do a tour like that. Should we go in? Let's go and have a look. All right, here's a tour of the Australian dressing room with Victor Skipper. Uh, oh, wow. gee, yeah, very quiet. <laughs> a bit of, bit of gear in here, isn't there? Well, Smithy's actually packed up his bats. So I was hoping you'd see that. He's actually got – he's one of the biggest gear hogs in world cricket. And I walked into those rooms and there's Mitch Stark having a beer with Steve Smith with his 23 bats and, and Wadey's in the corner mm. and, and Travis Head's putting his baggy green in the little cap. And this is what you wanted to do growing up as a kid. So how, how was it? It's, still, it's my greatest moment in broadcasting. It's the most fun I've had. W- yeah. What was it like for you to be in the inner sanctum? Did you have that, oh, gee, should I be in here? Or uh, Absolutely. You feel like an imposter the whole time. Yes. And if you don't, you're probably a bit of a dick. Yes. You know, so. That's a really good that's, point. That's, really good point. That's um, that's kind of rule one, you know. And, and Bullfredo was really great with, you know, there was, there was one time, where were we? You know, obviously I ended up being there a few times and, over in Jamaica, and um, I was there in Kingston, and um, and uh, invited us into the rooms after. after Sabata Park. Of, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so and yeah, there was one time where maybe I got a little comfy, and I, and I and 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 Buff just said, "All right, Andy, fuck off, get out of here." Right. Like like and um, not in a like anger way, just like we're gonna we're gonna get down to business now. Yeah. Okay. And 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 off you go, and and I was oh, like I kind of took me aback and. I liked that about him. I liked that he sat there and went, you know, love having you in, but he probably was like, hang on, you know, at this point you better be getting a bit too, too comfortable. He was probably reading the players to see how they were reacting and wanted mm. people to focus. I can't remember which game it was. I think we are in Brisbane. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it, it, the, the, the pinnacle for me was, well, Buff, when he, when he became the Australian cricket coach, introduced the joke to start the day. Yes. 
and um, and it used to be each player uh, he went through, and then he went through the staff, and it was a nice way just to break the tension, but also start with a ceremony where if the joke goes well, grave it doesn't go well, everyone can bag. It was just a really nice cultural thing to do, and then he pulled in um, myself and Hamish. Uh, to do to do a joke uh, at different times. It was day three for the Boxing Day test for me and um, uh, it was my first one. And, you know, I was nervous. I never get really that nervous performing, but this is the most nervous I've been. <laughs> I'm about to go out and tell a joke. But, oh, absolutely. But um, Did it go well? Oh, I, I actually brought out a, 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 a case like an armor guard man with it handcuffed to my arm. And props. Props, yeah, yeah. Lowest form of comedy. And <laughs> uh, I undid it and opened it up and pulled out Booney's 101 joke book, uh, joke book. <laughs> so, you know, then just read one from there. So that was easy enough. But um, the, the most amazing one for me was um, when the Australians made the World Cup final and Buff said, rang and said, hey, been a good part of this team. would love you to come and do the joke before the World Cup final. 20, so in Melbourne? Yeah. 2015? 2015. So. Wow. And it was kind of a ladies' call-up. And, and I'd um, surprised my mates. I said, we're all going to come around. My house is always the place we always watch big sport and, and – um, uh, two days prior, uh, India obviously didn't make it, and there was a lot of beautiful Indian community in Melbourne that had already That's right. booked a lot of tickets. So of I jumped on StubHub and managed to buy twelve tickets to. <laughs> so I had twelve, mate. twelve mates coming around, and and I have this huge uh, box in my house full of Australian gear uh, that every time we watch an Australian thing, we all put on different outfits. So you're watching so, the cricket so with they the come, gear on. They come, yeah. So they come in, and um, I've handed out their all all their clothes, you know, cracking a beer, and I went, you know what, stuff it, let's just go and handed these tickets on because I'd live right next to the MCG. Brilliant. So they're oh, so off we go and we're walking in early to grab a beer and I said, guys, I've got one little thing to do before it all starts and down on the ground just before the World Cup final, World Cup there's final probably day. about 60,000 people already there and, uh, on, you know, out with everybody to, to, tell, the, um, to tell a joke. Um, my mate was working in the broadcast uh, and and ended up forwarding me this beautiful vision of the spider cam coming down as I tell the joke and <laughs> arrives just as the punchline hits. And was there laughter? And, and there's huge laughter, <laughs> yeah. So um, that was pretty cool and, and and up I went and and watched them and, and uh, you know, what a, what a game. Um, and, and Mitchell Stark with Brendan McCullough, yes. the third ball taking yeah. it off peg. And, the and roar around the, roar. the MCG at that moment. As it got close to the win, um, uh, you know, probably you know, ball before it or something, we knew it was going to win, and and uh, I uh, I said to Buff, hey, thanks, mate, that was that was a dream, and he said, hey, it's just as much your win as, as ours. Come down now. Oh. So I've, huh. I've gone see you, boys. I'm going down. So went down, got in, led into the rooms, and, and got in there. And this was before media and before partners. So it was just. The players, wow, myself. Which again, if you're ever going to feel like an imposter, this yeah. is this is the time. And um, to see them have that five minutes, five to eight minutes of just their own time of of celebrating, reflection, and and being a part of that um, it was uh, it was pretty pretty special. And then we went on a four day bender together, and my girlfriend picked me up about four days. <laughs> <laughs> We, we, we've got some time restrictions. I could easily speak sport the whole hour that we have here together, um, which I think we'd both be happy with. When you were going through school and you're leaving school, what was the plan? 
Uh, and be an accountant was the was the plan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Accounts receivable, yeah, Andy yeah, speaking. Yeah, exactly. Oh, gee, I actually, I, you know, I can balance a ledger. Uh, can you? Yeah. yeah I couldn't I, get it in uni. I couldn't get yeah. it. I had to do accounting one in a business degree and I couldn't ever get the debits and credits. Really? Couldn't do it because I didn't well, do it at school. Well, I did university accounting while still at school. Right. Yeah. So I was really into it. And, you know, if anyone listened to our podcast know that I'm probably yes. more on the admin side of things than Hamish might be. Um, so that was the plan uh, to do, to be an accountant, to do that kind of thing and, and perhaps go into finance. And then huh. I ended up doing, you know, the good, good guys, the uh, the good guys, the electrical company. I, I did work experience over um, summer, which is such a dumb thing to have done, opposed to you finish school and people want to go and party. And I... I said, no, no, I'll, I'll get this accounting thing going. And you have your pens in yeah. your pocket and stuff, in your little pocket <laughs> yeah, protector. Yeah. And I um, <laughs> I cancelled $80 million worth of checks instead of presenting them in a, <laughs> in a data entry error. And I was very quick at it. And I'd done three days' work of just literally putting in a check number, hitting C instead of P, cancel yeah. instead of present the check. So none of the... Uh, suppliers got paid and uh, <laughs> and this is back in the day where, you know, the service system uh, for computers, et cetera, you know, we we're talking the end of 1999, it's not very sophisticated. So they had to, they used to back up their work for the whole company on a Sunday. They discovered what I did on a Wednesday. So they could go back, they reset the computer's as of the Sunday, everyone in the whole company had to do the work they'd done Monday, Tuesday or Wednesday. Oh. Um, and on Thursday with people looking at me going, all right, who's this idiot? Um, I went into the boss and said, you know what? I should just be with my mates down the beach. And so I'm, I'm going to quit. And he was understanding. He goes, you realize you won't get this opportunity again? So yeah, I'm kind of comfortable with that. And so went down the beach, then changed all my subjects to marketing and, and, um, huh. and, and kind of product management. And so... There's some other of those tools are used in what I do today. So where did you meet your mate? Met at uni, which was rare because neither of us went very often. Um, <laughs> Sounds like my uni yeah. as well. But it was, again, weirdly, I was the year before Hamish was in Sydney for my year 2000, which was my first year uni. I hadn't gone to this tutorial the entire um, uh, uh, year and I knew it was quantitative methods. Knew I needed the percentage. Quantitative methods. Yeah. Ooh, she sounds rather dry. Andy. Yes. And so um, it was, you got 1% per tutorial you, you, you went to and I and I needed that 10%, but I hadn't been to any. So I went to the last one and the, the tutor goes, uh, Andrew Lee, no, he's not here. And I said, no, no, I'm, I'm here. I'm here. For the, and they're like, oh, right. Who's the new kid? <laughs> nice of you to show up. And I said, oh, do you mind if I make a speech to the class? He said, excuse me. I said, do you mind if I just address the class? So sure. So I went up front of the class and just said, hey, just want to let you know, of course, I've been a bit absent, but I did it for your own good. I'm very distracting individual to be around <laughs> and I've wanted to be here, but for, you know, it went on saying, but for the good of the class, self-sacrifice, um, I guarantee that you guys will all pass much with much better grades than you would have if I was here and et cetera, et cetera. And I was added a few jokes and the guy said, the tutor ended up giving me 10%. He was like, Great. And I got 51% for the, for the, for the quant methods class. Oh. So I passed. But as I was leaving that class, this guy came up to me and said, that was pretty funny. You should meet mate of mine, Hamish. Huh. And I said, oh yeah, great. I'll, I'll meet him. He said, oh, he's not here yet. He's in Sydney, but he'll come next year. And I thought, what a weird huh. thing to do. And, um, sure enough, in March next year, I was walking through the commerce courtyard and this guy said, Hey, this is the guy I was telling you about. And that was it. And did you click straight away? Yeah. Did you? Yeah. 
Straight to the pub. I felt for Haim. He was he, Hamish is extremely book smart. You know, street smarts. No, he's an idiot. But he was doing advanced mathematics, advanced physics. Um, wow. Yeah. So he's doing commerce science. So he does. He was doing the kind of classes that you know you see Matt Damon doing Goodwill Hunting. But um, I uh, and and you can't miss them. Where I'm doing brand management, marketing, you know, all these kind of things. You can just skip more. More airy fairy. Yeah, yeah, strategy or whatever, and you can just bluff your way through the exam. So Haim's grades, he started failing, and, and I was able to kind of get through. And, um, yeah, there was a point there where his parents were going, hang on, is this Andy guy the right one to be hanging out with? <laughs> the wrong influence. <laughs> so you, you kick off, um, and I wrote this down because I wanted to get it right, um, Together, Channel 31, yep. the show Radio Karate, which is, that, is that your business name now? Yeah. Radio Karate. Well, uh, and I was watching a clip of it. It's funny to, to look back on this type of thing and it's a it's a skit about drawing straws. Yeah. And you're actually drawing them. Can you guys come and pick me up from line dancing? Yeah. No worries, pal. Catch. Fellas, uh, don't need the lift. Uh, oh, buzz not. Well, I couldn't possibly do that. Draw straws. And it really made me laugh. <laughs> One, because it was amusing to me, but two, because of the enthusiasm <laughs> that you and I think it was, was it Ryan Shelton yep. as well, just the enthusiasm that these young men were bringing to the table made me enjoy it as much as anything else. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, funnily enough, that sketch, we went to, on, a, we, I went to Channel 31 to try and see if we could go, Hamish and I started writing sketches without any intention of, of filming them. And then one day I said, mate, we've got about a hundred of these. Should we try to try and film? He goes, oh, the guy that won media at my school, I was kind of mates with, we should go and chat to him. He's at Melbourne Uni. So we walked across campus, met Tim. He's like, oh yeah, I can film some stuff for you. He's still a general manager of our company. Huh. Um, Tamish's best mate at school was Ryan. He's, he's there. And so there's four of us, four way split of everything we've ever made. Um, Is it? Tim, Ryan, Hamish and I. Yeah. And so. That's a nice story. Yeah. And so, you know, to think that. We went across and we started filming that 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 draw straw one was in my parents' house. Uh, Tim filming Hamish Ryan and I. Um, you know, cut to twenty years later when we're in Alaska filming uh, Perfect Holiday. It's the same guys, and um, yeah, it's been really special. That's the end of Andy Lee Part A. Part B awaits. Listener.